Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood in LA. And the Oscar ballots are out. We are almost to the finish line here, and yet still two more weeks to go. And the, the stories keep changing. Last week, we were throwing out these wild theories about Room being a dark horse. Today, Somebody named Dan Thompson writes that Revenant basically has this best picture Oscar in the bag. So what's going on here, Anne? Because I feel like... I keep changing my mind is what's going on. No, the room (laughs) theory, the room theory, which has been, of course, lifted by everyone else and their mother with the help of A24, which is trying to rustle up some some possibilities that this could actually happen. Um, uh, no, uh, I, I, that was a thought, you know, that was an explanation of what a, what an incredibly tight race this is. And when you have, you know, so many heavyweights going after uh, best picture and having a chance at it, then, then you can actually have a surprise. But, um, I don't know. I think looking at the BAFTAs had a big impact on me and, and just feeling the, it's sometimes just instinct, you know, what film is the one, you know, that, that, the, that, that most of the Oscar voters are actually going to put at number one, remembering that it's very rare for a movie like Spotlight, especially, you know, to just win screenplay and nothing else and well, still the Spotlight win Best story, Picture. I mean, that was just, they got out so, so early in the season, yes, right? Yes, they peaked then, very early. But then there was this sort of surprise with the big short. Back when we were doing our, our, our episode at Sundance, and it had just won uh, the you PGA. Know, the PGAs, and that, w- that really seemed to suggest that that was our real front runner. It was so more a question of the Revenant not getting it. That was the surprise. Because I have to say, when I, well, right after the nominations on January 14th, the Revenant got the most nominations with 12 and then you know mad max had 10 you know it was it was you know the 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 martian had seven you know the spotlight and the big shorter behind that you know what was i thought the revenant actually looked like it i thought that was my my eye blink response and and i voted that way and i keep you know then then spotlight wins you know sag ensemble and then pga wins the big so i was pulling back from the revenant but now i'm feeling the revenant um again and it feels like the kind of movie that that represents the academy the way they want to see themselves you know big artistic brave you know, extraordinarily risky art film. And, it, and it's not a movie that divides people as dramatically as some of the others. I mean, Spotlight maybe being the exception, but Big Short, it's got its big defenders and it's got its haters in a way that, that, uh, that this one doesn't. And, and, and Spotlight also too. has less than unanimous support from all the different branches of the Academy because it's just such a small Talking Heads movie. That's all. Right. I mean, last year... Boyhood. The same thing happened there with Boyhood, and Inuritu's kind of bravado and his filmmaking style That's ended part up of kind it. of winning it out. Yeah, and he's there's and something like, very pure about Inuritu. You know, he's he's there's something. You know, he really does come across as the artist that 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 people would like to to be. And and by the way, his confrere Alfonso Cuarón has the same quality. You can just see the way people respect him. 
even if they, uh, you know, I, I, I posited this theory that the PGA didn't give the Revenant Best Picture because it's the, it, it horrifies them, you know, well, you, in terms you, of how I, it was I mean, made. You know? It's also, I mean, I think that story, like, like you said in your piece, I mean, at first that was negative publicity and then it worked in its favor. That's but right. But part of what it seemed, this is, this is the, the kind of weird vibe that I get from Inuritu, not knowing him as, as you do, but, but just relating to his movies over the years. The only one that I've really liked through and through is Birdman. I like aspects of The Revenant. Somebody like Alfonso Cuaron, I think, has made many more better movies. And I, and I feel like with Inuritu, my assumption is, it's it's it, he's he doesn't come across quite like what every artist wants to be as he's been trying to be that artist and he's just now more recently getting to that point where he can make those kinds of movies but he made a lot of movies that were not considered as great as uh Birdman and now on the level of of something like The Revenant for a long time so I always I mean, admired his films they were small art films i mean i admired they were closer to the spotlight. The least, yeah, the least. Well, they're very. Uh, he always chases after this, this the same holy grail, this kind of raw emotion. That is his. And, goal. and a lot of times, it came across to me as like very mopey, and and I hate using the word pretentious because I think it's disingenuous. But that, but he kind of courts that criticism in the way that he's told told, told stories and the, the the air around revenant suggested as much it just turned out to be just a much more striking cinematic achievement because he was reaching for that kind of and achievement. he never had that kind of of, of 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 budget behind him but in a funny way i mean the his lack of experience with a big budget movie um made him make the film as if it was an independent film, except that it was on a much bigger, more expensive and risky scale. Not to have cover sets, not to to make everybody prepare for 360 degrees, no matter what, so that Emmanuel Lebesky could, could come at it from any angle. This kind of thing is unheard of. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, it, it evokes sort of a, a mixture of horror and awe <laughs> in people who actually know what they're talking about in terms of production. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, what, my hang up with all this is just the idea of an uncompromising work of art, somebody just going for it while virtuous is not necessarily as worthy of celebration as actually achieving it through and through. And the revenant, no matter what they've achieved in certain cinematic ways, is still, I think, a little underrealized as a story. I think there there are a lot well, of different there's moments. There's a reason that it hasn't been nominated for screenplay, right? Exactly. Which and, is unusual. It's very unusual for a well, movie to win Best it, Picture without a screenplay. Didn't that and, and, and exactly? I mean, with Avatar, I mean that was a it was Best Picture. It was Titanic and as well, I believe. Yeah. Right. Another another film. Titanic is the one that won. I mean, it won Titanic Best won. Picture without a without a screenplay nomination. Right. Whereas Avatar did not get it and did not win Best Picture. Right. And so so but but in this this may be a, a more of a Titanic situation the way that you're presenting it. Even though I mean, there people do seem to look at this movie as you know, even if it's underwritten, there are other things that kind of make up for that shortcoming which well, i find he's chasing little... after he's chasing after some kind of 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 human spirit meets nature spirit you know he's chasing after some kind of cinematic poetry and i think he achieves it i do 
I, I, there, there's some really striking moments in that movie. And there there's are other some moments silly ones. Where, yeah, like, some silly like when ones. they go over the cliff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that shot. You know, I, I do love that shot. It's very Roadrunner. It's very Wiley Coyote. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm all about that kind of craziness. I, I had more of an issue with things like DiCaprio's weird bond with this Native American guy that felt to me very forced in certain ways. The music swells and when they bond over you know, their mutual lost families and just like some of the melodramatic elements. And then just where the story winds up is a fun kind of action movie throwdown, but nothing we've never seen before by mm. any means. And mm. it's a knife fight. Yeah. What's special about that? So I just, but I'm, I mean, are you feeling a surge of it's going to be spotlight or it's going to be the big short? Are you feeling that anywhere? Cause I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm, and I, and that, that's why I'm not exactly trying to poke holes in this theory per se. I'm just sort of amazed at how it's come together in these terms, considering the different possibilities that have been in play for so long. And especially because just in the last few weeks, it's seen more and more like one of the toughest races to call in, in recent memory. It's settling down now. I mean, I actually, I still don't know who's going to win supporting actress. You know, that's anybody's guess. But, but I'm beginning, and I'm, you know, I keep wondering if The Weeknd could beat Lady Gaga. But I think it is Lady Gaga. And, <laughs> I like how those are the tough ones. Those are the oh, tough yeah, ones. Oh, yeah, no, it's always some weird. Oh, by the way, I finally saw Your World of Tomorrow, and I do agree that that should win uh, animated short. I will own that. I, I'll own that it's my World of Tomorrow because it's the sort of thing that, we love championing. I mean, I saw that back at Sundance last year, before Sundance. They sent no, it to- it's quite good. It's quite yeah. good. And but I did. I, I, it was a strong, a strong shorts, a very strong shorts, shorts lineup. You but, think uh, it's going to beat the Pixar movie? I do. Great. I mean, nothing personal to Pixar. It's a very sweet little movie. But I mean, War of Tomorrow. It's this hand drawn thing made by one person. I mean, it's just. Great well, to see sometimes that. Sometimes the people at the academy actually favor hand drawn, so you know. Well, I mean, maybe part of that is the it's the revenant phenomenon that you're talking about too. It's it's this completely uncompromising approach to telling a story. Well, Bill Desowitz has this theory that that uh, Mad Max could win VFX, which I find sort of surprising because it's so. Um, it, it 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 has so few of them. It's it it has some, but it it, it they basically did it the old fashioned way um, with stunts, you know, and in, in, in practical effects. And so apparently there's some movement to reward that in, in the, in the world of, 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 I think Mad Max is going to end up getting a lot and I'm still arguing that it could still win director as well. But, uh, but, but it, it, lo- it just doesn't seem to be going with big short and, and spotlight through the categories. That's the, problem. I think it, I think it, it is worth digging a little bit deeper into the Mad Max thing though, because if there is a movie that has that sense of being this uncompromising work of art, also made on a big scale, a studio movie, but not, but indie in certain ways, I mean, Mad Max, played that card before Revenant was even done. Right? I believe that Mad Max could easily be you know, if I, if it won Best Picture I would jump up and down and cheer and by the way, I love Spotlight and The Big Short too, so don't get me wrong I love Room, I love I love many of these films, but, but the point is, it's unusual, it would be extremely unlikely that a sequel like that an action sequel would be the way that the Academy would want to present itself at the end of the day yeah, I mean, there, there's some sort of, like, branding or something that people are pushing back against. Yeah, 
Like, but the maybe they'll give it to, to him. They'll give it to him, you know. Most people think it's Inuit, too, by the way. So I'm just being contrary on that one. His head is just going to explode. I know. He'll be impossible. <laughs> I mean, I, what do you, I, I'm not even sure. I haven't been following all the news about what he might be doing next, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, there, there's there's almost something very calculated about this whole thing that also bugs me. Like, we know how his mind works because we saw Birdman. You know, like the, the way, the kind of hubris that he has to contend with and, and how to fight against that and also reach for that great artistic statement in a way where everybody loves you and, and screw the critics, I'm going to show them all and this is the movie that he makes. You know, and it almost feels, I almost feel like uncomfortable with the kind of scheming involved in doing that, even though I realize it's not just him. I mean, this is like a whole infrastructure in terms of the way these things work. And this is a talented person with a with a vision. And no, that's no, 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 no. I, 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 we were having an argument earlier about whether this was an independent film. Yeah. Um, it's a $135 million film funded by New Regency. Arnon Milchan, one man, agreed to pay for this movie no matter how much it costs. Now, that doesn't happen very often. And it wouldn't have been backed by a major studio at that level. There's no way. So Fox works with New Regency. Fox picked it up. Fox took took on the distribution and marketing and so on. But this was a New Regency film. Right. And also had um, Rat Pack Entertainment behind right. it and some others. So, I mean... Yes, like, the studios yeah. throw off the costs of movies a lot. You know, they do that with all their risky films. But yeah. um, it wasn't like this was a homegrown product. No, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about kind of the studios winning out on that front or anything like that. I mean, one of the things that, that I think has been worth tracking in the Oscars the last few years is the way in which bigger movies have kind of cracked an equation that previously seemed like it had only been cracked by these specialty distributors and, and so forth. And this seems like sort of the happy medium in some ways, a bigger movie that's also very much a representation of how the independent film world has a role to play in bigger movies now. So that's, that, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that per se. When we last spoke a week ago, ballots had just gone out and they're that, due on Tuesday. They're so, due on Tuesday at 5 PM. And many people have already filed their ballots. I mean, I have to imagine some people just do it right away because they're they're ready for them. Yeah, they've seen them. But a lot of people are catching up on the, the docs and the short docs and stuff like that, you know, before they vote. So where does that leave campaigning at this stage? How do people campaign over the next week and change? Well, some people are throwing parties to celebrate the DVD uh, release. For example, Brooklyn is coming out on DVD, and they're going to throw an, uh, an event for that. That's one of the Primarily clever for ways. Promise. Yeah, that's Presumably. one of the clever ways that they, you know, they come up with things to do, um, you know, to celebrate, um, you know, if somebody wins a Peabody like Cartel Land or, or somebody oh, right. wins the Veritas Award like Spotlight or... Or, uh, you know, there's there's various tricks of the trade in terms of, you know, they did their, their bits at Santa Barbara. They did their bits before that in Palm Springs. You but know, for the a, most part, it's like we've seen the, the, the it's big quieter stages. Now. It's quieter. We've seen the campaigns. I mean, you they're talk still doing Q and A's. I mean, I, you know, they're still schlocking around and doing it. I did an interview. You know, I, there, there's still a few stray things that haven't been done. But we haven't seen any dirty campaigning this year no. as far as i can tell no 
nothing that changed the narrative around a certain movie. I mean, the Oscars so white thing is is one thing that that was sort of a narrative around the entire set of nominees, but there was nothing that, you know, a particular movie got criticized in some way that could have been planted by another company with a vested interest in helping their nominee or something like that. No, not it's been this a quieter year. year. No. In fact, what's really striking is the degree to which each of the the main contenders is trying to use each chance that they have to be in public and to I've, I've never seen such um orchestrated scripted you know message messaging you know they they everyone is trying to to and emphasize the gravitas, emphasize the political uh, importance of their movie. You know, the spotlight, you know, the Catholic Church, the, the, the victims, the survivors, the real reporters, the degree to which this was based on real stories and real heroism on the part of, of real people. And then, and then same thing with the big short. You know, trying to emphasize that going to Washington, you know, being screening the movie in in you know in the financial community, all this kind of thing. Of all those stories, the one, the, I mean, in general, my my instinct is to is to kind of get annoyed by that sort of thing because I just want to look at the art and the movie, and then if the subject matter is strong enough, then that's worth talking about in the context of this work of art and how it does that. But I have to say, it does make me appreciate The Big Short more. Because the, the more that I look at that movie and the way that people have reacted to it, I see how it's playing with genre in a really interesting way. Oh, I love that, those innovations. And the fact that it does that while speaking to a bigger issue that everybody kind of knows without, in many cases, unless you have a, a deep understanding of, of the finance industry, a uh, very simplistic understanding of it. And, and the way that it plays with that, it's almost like it's, it's got this like B-movie element to it. Like It's, it's kind of outrageous. But there's there's something deeper behind, like kind of driving that outrageousness. Well, it was McKay who really, I I totally agree with you. And it was McKay who really figured out working with the original Charles Randolph screenplay. He added, he it was McKay, you know, who added Anthony Bourdain and and the the Margot Robbie in the bathtub and and you know figured out that talking directly to the audience or you know achieving a, a certain kind of authenticity by actually addressing the ways movies are fake, you know, in a, in a, in this, you know, breaking down the fourth wall in this very clever right. way. I think I think it was uh, incredibly effective. I'm um, almost willing to think that Steve Carell's bad wig is part of the meta narrative <laughs> of the movie. This has been a mounting theory as I keep looking at it. And I'm like, it's so incredulous, you know. It's uh, that's funny. I mean, uh, but but that movie, if that movie won Best Picture. And it sent some signal that, hey, a, a, a kind of outrageous comedy can do something special in a different sort of way. And, and, and that stimulates that kind of movie being made more. That's almost more exciting to me than, than something like The Revenant winning because The Revenant... Well, it doesn't have to win to have that kind of impact. I mean, I think the point is, is that we're going to see McKay get a whole new lease on... Um, what he can, you know, I knew he is very political. He cares about, so he really wants to address these political issues. And now he's going to be, you know, people will let him do it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what McCarthy does now that he's, you know, they've entered a different universe, whether they win or not. So is this, are you saying that because of the Oscar nomination or because the movie did well at the box office? Both, both. I mean, they're, they're in a new place. 
both of them. Yeah, I mean, having Oscar winning, you know, bragging rights is all very well and good, but I would say career-wise, uh, all these people are already in another, I mean, every single one of them is in another place. I mean, McKay was already a rich, successful filmmaker. But when he, he was did... locked in the comedy. Uh, right, ghetto. right, exactly. And McCarthy was pretty, you know, in a small-scale world, so he he gets to graduate now. But who stands to benefit the most from the win? Because I, I was thinking about this the other day, how, you know, the very fact that Richard Linklater was nominated, and Boyhood got all those nominations last year, was pretty cool. It doesn't seem to me like he went out of his way to use that momentum to do something he had never been able to do before. But, you know, at the same time... He was already occupying a niche that he wanted to occupy. He has, you know, he knows who he is. And he's, to the extent that he's experimented in the studio playpen, he hasn't been that successful. So I would say, you know, he's better off, he's better off sticking to his guns. But, but, but the, but the, um... But it'll always it'll still be easier to finance whatever he wants to do. It won't be such a struggle, right? But Inuritu already won, and that helped. I mean, the revenant was being made, but obviously that helped in some ways. Kind the of checkbook was the, open. The checkbook yeah, was open. So, so if he wins again, the checkbook's open even wider. I mean, but, eh, but somebody like I'm not so sure. <laughs> in his case, I mean, the movie made is made three hundred and something million dollars yeah. around the world. It made one hundred sixty domestic, which is a perfectly respectable figure, but not that big for a movie that cost one hundred thirty-five. I mean, it will make more. It needs to make more. It has to make more. But but the you know the ones it, it, you know room could stand to make more money and the, the indie on the indie side none of these movies are doing as well as their counterparts did in past years movies like Imitation Game got to ninety million dollars and, and these movies are capping it down at the thirty million mark. Yeah, speaking of, I mean, that was a Weinstein Company movie this year. They have Carol, which, I mean, I, I'd love to see Todd Haynes win an Oscar Looks and all like that kind of thing. they could be zero for zero, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we, we saw that happening a while back. It's, it's been building Six up for to zero, that. Six for zero, rather. Six for zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but even so. And it didn't have a Best Picture, you know, nomination. I, I still come back to that movie, and, and I think it's just the most gorgeous film I saw last year and just so wonderfully subtle in so many ways, but the Revenant's just so much the other side of the equation. And it's just, it's, you couldn't have a more striking contrast in terms of what seems to get this kind of an Oscar worthy, you know, air about it versus what, what struggles, you know? And it's surprising to me, even though that, that, that this was the, the biggest movie that Weinstein had to offer, this year, when you think about it in retrospect, I mean, the company that people tend to associate with knowing how to play this game so well. Well, The Hateful Eight didn't end up being as big an Oscar contender as they presumably thought it would be, or right. even as big at the box office as they had hoped. Uh, it did get, you know, it could win an Oscar, though. It, it, it's probably going to win for Ennio Morricone. So, which it, which is awesome. More power to that guy. I mean, that's that's just so cool. But it's not a. It's not like the wine scenes are going to be going home as the big winners of the night. So, what's going on with those guys? There was news out of the Berlin Film Festival that they were no shows. They canceled all their meetings, and uh, Harvey claimed it was just because he had other stuff to do, post production on a different movie, but. As no, usual. I think they were chasing, uh, you know, one particular acquisition and someone else got it. So, um, you know, it, I, I think I think that and clear the other the other story that was interesting was that Jennifer Jason Lee could have gone to the BAFTAs and didn't 
because neither Weinstein Co. nor the British distributor of The Hateful Eight was willing to pay for her to make the trip, you know, with the hair and the makeup and the and the flight and, and whatever, you know, to, to show up at, at, at the BAFTAs. It didn't seem to be a worthwhile uh, investment. And, and I find that really shocking and awful. And usually I think Harvey would have come up with that money. So, what so I think that there's... Um, a new practical, uh, what is the best way to spend our money and what do we need to focus on approach at Weinstein Co. right now. I think they're Well, there's strapped. just a real sense of, of speculation about the, the future of this company and how 2016 is going to go for That's them. That's correct. So, uh, but I've spoken to them and I know that David um, is, Glass. David, say that again. You're talking about David Glasser? David Glasser is definitely on the case uh, in terms of keeping things on point, and he knew that when he uh, came back to, to take over running the company for the Weinsteins. Well, belt tightening isn't anything that people should get too up in arms about. It just shows you what a, what a kind of you know conspiratorial community we live in that somebody canceling some meetings can stimulate this sort of speculation about well, it's what a question it, of how large weinstein always lived you know i mean they right. there was a time when you know they would be at the stein erickson lodge at sundance or when they sure. would be at the at the at the hotel du cap in, in Cannes. you know and, and now they're back at the majestic you know that kind of thing is 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 a it's a it, Harvey's been living large for, for, for many years, and, and the truth isn't that so much that Harvey has had to, to downsize as the industry itself is downsizing. The, the, the art house specialty market is no longer what it was, and it never will be. And it's just the truth. Even Fox Searchlight is pulling back. You know, Tony Safford left. Now Claudia Lewis took a buyout because Fox itself is is encouraging senior executives to take buyouts as they try to cut back at the studio at large. And Fox Searchlight itself is is you know top of the list with Sony Pictures Classics, but neither company had a great year last year, and they have like to they all, deal they with all that. Want- it's like they all watched the the big short and got super paranoid or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, speaking of living large, we're gearing up to do the same. I don't know about you, but I just dropped off my tux at the uh, dry cleaners. So I will be squeezing uh, myself into the same Oscar dress I wore last year. I hope you won't be disappointed. I I don't expect to be because you're my date for the night. (laughs) We have a lot of different plans coming together. Although we'll have one more episode of screen talk to talk those through next week so uh to be continued and see you in la